Hi everyone and welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist Podcast. My name's Amelia, I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Anime Feminist and I'm joined today by Caitlin and Peter. If you guys want to introduce yourselves. I'm Caitlin, um, I'm an editor and moderator at Anime Feminist as well as writing my own blog. I have a heroin problem and heroin is spelled with an E at the end. I'm Peter Phobian, I'm an Associate Features Editor at Crunchyroll and a contributor at Anime Feminist. So we're talking about ReZero today, which is a series very close to my heart, not least because it's how I became friends with both Peter and Frogkin, who is another kind of honorary member of the Anifem team. But Caitlin, I believe, has just finished watching it. Mm-hmm. So Caitlin, did you know anything about ReZero before you went into it? I knew the basic premise. Okay. Um, I knew that it was about a guy who keeps dying and then <laughs> comes back and I yeah. you know I knew it was like a an light novel based isekai show and yeah. I knew that Rem is everyone's favorite waifu so she knew the memes I knew the <laughs> yes yeah. I knew I want to protect that smile I knew she got did she win best girl yes. in the Crunchyroll award yeah I think she, she did. won mm-hmm. best girl in every corner of the internet for at yeah. least 6 months yep so yeah. it's official yeah. I knew that much. So you're brand new to this and we really wanted to just talk through it with you because I was very involved at the time on a personal level. I was writing about it for my blog at the time um, and I was making friends through it, as I said, and we were speculating on kind of a one-on-one level. So I would talk to Peter after every episode and we'd kind of compare theories for the future. Um, But it was very much kind of on a personal level. I didn't really get involved in ReZero fandom. I wasn't part of any of the forums, whereas I think, Peter, you were much more involved. Uh, Yeah, I think that was probably one of my favorite parts about the series, although it was a mixed bag. (laughs) That's one way to put it. Yeah. Okay, we're almost definitely going to come back to ReZero at some point. Um, It's something that half the team has very strong opinions on. And there is a second series coming up. So um, today we're just... I think the second season's been announced, hasn't I, it? I Peter think they Hill? announced their intention to make a second season, but they have not uh, spoken as to when it will be. Uh, like, the current okay. prevailing theory is later half of this year, but we don't know. Right now, they're, the same studio is making a different anime, so... This is really meta, with even speculating on the future of the series itself. Yeah. Well, I so, mean, it's what? a sure thing, pretty much. <laughs> I think it got a pretty big following, so... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Actually, um, it was the most popular a- anime uh, uh, by viewership. I believe when uh, in 2016. Yeah, Miles did or... that by uh, geographical location popularity map. So more people oh, watched okay. ReZero last year than like anything else on Crunchyroll. I'm really not surprised, um, and I loved it too. I absolutely loved it, and I rewatched parts of it for this podcast, and I continue to love it. I think it's one of my favorite things to come out of last year. Obviously, it's a bit of a mixed bag, as uh, you've already alluded to, and there's a huge amount that we could discuss and absolutely no way that we can cover everything in the one podcast, so we will come back to it. But for this particular episode, we just want to kind of capture Caitlin's perspective, which is obviously very fresh. I think you finished the last episode, what, 20 minutes ago? Half an hour ago? Uh, Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so we so just my... want to... The takes are coming in hot right now. Exactly. So we just want to compare kind of what your views are now to what Peter and I remember of the time and what Peter remembers of kind of fandom reaction. And you've obviously been... (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be an interesting discussion. So we're going to do this by character. And we're we're just going to dive right in. We're going to start with Subaru. So, Caitlin, uh, how are you feeling about Subaru right now? Oh, he's... 
He's just a garbage, garbage <laughs> person. I don't mean that in an affectionate way. Like, he is a neat who has lived a life where he has not done anything, and then he comes to this fantasy world, and he wants to be the hero, and he gets to be the hero. So, yeah, not uh, not loving Subaru right now. So how did you feel about him at the very start of the of the show? Oh, great. Another another neat otaku hero. <laughs> because, you know, that's sort of the uh, prevailing narrative in Isekai. The main character is uh, a neat who is... Uh, video games are the main force in his life, and then he gets pulled into a video game, and suddenly all of that knowledge is uh, helpful instead of useless. <laughs> and... <laughs> and yeah, like, I had no reason to believe Subaru was any different. Was there anything about him that kept you watching? Or at that point, would you have turned off if you'd watched it during the simulcast? I mean, I probably would have turned it off <laughs> if I had been <laughs> I watching. I really don't blame you for what it's worth. Um, did your view of him change over the course of the series? I thought he had, like, a really solid emotional arc. Like, his emotions in the situation were really well done like he he is dying over and over he's seeing his friends dying over and over and that's incredibly stressful to him and he kind of falls apart on multiple occasions the uh during the first arc where he's sort of struggling against the curse and one day that last time when he's just being like i must be cheerful i must get through this i'm gonna fix this and he's driving himself crazy with anxiety and you know the whole time that he's acting super happy and cheerful like in the wordly he's like I feel sick I feel sick I feel sick I feel sick and like he's like puking from anxiety and I was just like okay like I still think he's kind of a trash heap of a human being but you know he still has emotions and the emotions are very um believable yeah and very relatable for an unrelatable situation. Okay, so Peter, how does that compare with your experience and your memories of the fan reaction at the time? Uh, well, the fan reaction, I think, was more appreciative of him. Uh, <laughs> I, I know that a lot <laughs> of people Caitlin? were... Uh, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> they were... I guess the main criticisms I think I heard of him like on forums and in Reddit and stuff like that was they just found him annoying because he's kind of a, an extremely annoying person. <laughs> and I well, but and the primary one was of course choosing Amelia over Rem. So that was like that was the big like two things that people don't like about Subaru. Um, nothing, nothing. Else. I didn't hear too much mention of other things. Personally, I guess uh, yeah, uh, I think he summed it up pretty well. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of sympathetic elements to him. He's basically going in through an inhuman amount of suffering right now, and uh, a lot of his like personal perspectives are pretty warped. But I think the series did a great job of humanizing him and also having characters not just go along with him because he's the main character, but kind of calling him when calling him on his, you know, his crap and his being hypocritical. Basically, just I think the other characters and the way they react to him is more realistic than in most series. How did you feel about him personally? I mean, did you like him as a character when you watched it through? Yeah, I mean, as a character, I think he's great. I mean, just like as a as a character in a in a story uh he's he's yeah. really interesting i think i might be 
probably the most empathetic person to him here. Actually, I don't know if either of you have either any empathy toward him whatsoever. <laughs> he, I, I mean, he's definitely flawed, and his ideas are really bad and, like, sexist and uh, very self-driven, but I feel like uh, it's kind of like, it, the experience for me is kind of like watching Watamote, I guess, where... Right. Uh, the main character in Watamote also has very warped perceptions and blames other people for uh, her own problems. And, I mean, I know they're wrong, but I sort of understand why they're thinking that way, and I hope they make their way through it. So when you say Subaru's warped perceptions, what are you talking about specifically? Sort of his thinking of himself as the protagonist, and um, I believe he genuinely wants to help Amelia, um, but I believe uh, the reasons that he wants to do it, uh, I mean, it's genuine, yes, but he also wants to do it as sort of like a way of justifying himself and building himself up because, um, of course, mm-hmm. he, he has a lot of problems with like self-hatred. And I think he thinks of this as a way not only to save Amelia, but to save himself. Okay. Like, and I agree that those are, that is a warped perspective that he holds, but I don't think the the story did anything but validate it in the end you know midway through the series he has his falling out with amelia but at the end he gets to be the hero he gets to save her and and wins her love by rescuing her when she has told him in no uncertain terms she does not need him to be the hero she can take care of herself but in the end, it shows that she can't take care of herself and she does need him to rescue her. And that is the part that I had the really big problem with. Yeah, it's quite interesting because I just rewatched from episode 19 to the very end, which are probably the ones I'm least familiar with. And what really struck me was that there's actually two endings that he has there. There's the first one where Amelia shows up and he goes to help her and protect her. And Felix says, no, you know, you have to trust her. She can handle this, give her a chance. And she does, and she saves the village, and everyone's really happy for her. And then Subaru gets taken over by Beetlejuice, and that timeline ends. And then in the second one, she then gets a bit damseled. And I thought that was really interesting, actually, because if they'd done the first ending, and they'd left it at that, I think I would have been much happier with his arc than the the second timeline that they actually did end on. So, like, if he had just after that gone and apologized, and then... Yeah, 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 because then she's the the savior at the end. You know, she's really powerful. And one of the big problems I had with his arc in episodes 12 to 18 was where he kept saying, I have to save her, I have to save her, and just completely ignoring the fact that she is a lot stronger than him. She's a lot more powerful than him. And she really doesn't need him for much of anything at that point. And it turns out in the end, I think, that the one strength he really does give her is credibility with the villagers. Yeah. And he really is that bridge between... She says herself that she's kind of awkward with people. She's been ostracized her whole life. Um, She doesn't really know how to connect with the people around her. And Subaru does give her that bridge with ordinary people. But that's that would have been the the right ending in the first timeline. And in the second timeline, it it doesn't really show the the strength that she's gained from him, I think. Right. Like, if it had been, like, he helps her... He helps her in things that she cannot do herself because everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses Mm -hmm. Um, it would have gotten a much different reaction from me because she is very powerful Subaru is really doesn't have that much going for him other than (laughs) uh, a sort of like superficial charm 
<laughs> and I mean, Krush literally says, doesn't she? She says, he is the very weakest person among yeah. us. Yeah. Literally anybody and, can kill him and in the whole it's series. It's absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> so not too impressed with Subaru nope. then, Caitlin. Not at all. Is there anything they could have done with his arc that you would have been kind of satisfied with? If it had been... If he had had to work harder to repair his uh, rift with Amelia, because honestly, like, it was way, way too easy for him. I've seen friendships falling out over the situation where they had where a guy starts feeling entitled to a woman's time and attention who he convinces himself that she needs him and he can fix all of her problems and no, that's not how it is. You know, it's like the legendary internet story where a guy carried a printer across a college campus in the rain because uh, a girl was saying that she didn't want to have to walk to the library to print her stuff out in the rain. What's that? <laughs> yeah, I've never heard, yeah. <laughs> never heard of that. Um, so, like, I've heard that story. I don't know how actually true is. It that truth? Is it true? I don't know. What is this? But like, you know, I, that's an extreme example, but I have witnessed things like that happen, having run in nerd circles since high school. And, you know, and eventually the girl's like, you need to chill. (laughs) Like, and this was my biggest problem with Subaru as a character actually was in the first few episodes, his behavior towards Amelia made me really uncomfortable. Um, When he, kind of she says uh, she saves him she walks away she says i need nothing from you you've repaid your favor we're even that's fine i'm moving on and he chases her down the street and yeah and he forces her to give him a fake name and i just flash back to all the times i've done that i've given people fake names and it's such a real experience that i think many people have had and subaru the guy who causes this is the hero and that made me so uncomfortable. And I think I've said to both of you before, I actually dropped ReZero episode 12, I think, episode 11, episode 12. I got so bored and frustrated with his arc, I dropped it. And then episode 13 happened, fandom exploded, and I had to get back into it. And I'm so glad I did. And now it is one of my favourite shows from last year, but Subaru in those opening mm. episodes is just insufferable. But yeah, I mean... In a very real way. <laughs> yes, but... And I wish, like, he... that. Like I was saying, that rift is a deep one. Like, it's not something yes. that ha- can be just fixed with him actually rescuing her and apologizing. Yeah. And it's great that he apologized. It is. But it was just mm-hmm. she way too easy. Like, he really messed up. He, Im- he humiliated her in front of all of these people when she is supposed to be showing her status. He did. And the fact that he's like, oh, yeah, sorry, I kind of messed up. And she's like, oh, you know, it's okay. And then they, like, smooch in a field or whatever. It's... No, it's it, it's <laughs> too simple. Like, people have to work harder to earn forgiveness. And they have to show signs of really changing. And I don't think he has. I don't think he's changed at all. See, that's the bit I don't know if I agree with you on that because I really do feel when I watch it that he goes through a complete development arc. I think he does reflect. I think he does learn. There's an amazing moment in the last episodes. Now, I'd forgotten so much of these episodes and I'm really glad I rewatched them. Um, there are two moments in the 
the last arc, the white whale arc, and then the witch's cult. Um, there's one moment where he he says to Rem, she she says to him, I have complete faith in you, Subaru. And this is after Amelia telling him, I want to trust you, I want to believe in you, and I can't, you're giving me nothing. And Rem says, I have faith in you. And he's so moved, and the first thing that comes to his mind is a line that he's heard from Amelia, where he says, I guess I should say thank you and not sorry. And that's something that they had a conversation about way back in episode, I think, six or seven. And then there's a moment later when he and Rem are fighting the white whale and he catches her after she falls. And he says something to her like, giving up doesn't suit me, it doesn't suit you and it doesn't suit any of us, which is something that she says to him in episode 18, giving up doesn't suit you. And I feel that that really shows, moments like that show how he's learned and he's grown and he has changed. And I do feel that his apology to Amelia in the end was sincere and it was a real culmination of an arc. But yes, my disagreement with the show's decision is where Amelia then says, I'm so happy. How could I ever have been so happy? Am I really allowed to deserve such happiness over Subri's confession? That was the line. Everything up to that point where she says to him, but I'm a half elf, but but people hate me, but I'm just going to cause problems. Things like that I understand and I, I can get behind. As soon as she jumps into, I'm such I'm so overwhelmed with such happiness. How can I possibly have deserved this? That's where it loses me. Right. And that's something that didn't feel right to me. But also, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not of a marginalized class. So, like, I didn't know if that was something that was legit or not. But it didn't feel right. Which which part uh, did when the... she's just, When he confesses to her, she's like, oh, I'm so happy. I've Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I understood it. I, I was on board with it to the extent of... I didn't think anyone would say that they liked me. Right. Like, had, had it been translated like that, the, the idea that com- somebody could say to you, like, I like you, when you've been kind of told all your life that you're, like, you're a witch and you're just like this this really destructive person, I think that would have been really powerful. But because it was attached to romantic love and because they really hadn't had any contact between their huge argument in which she was completely justified and him confessing his love to her there was no contact between times and then suddenly she's come around to the point where his love for her causes her this overwhelming happiness yeah it's I'm, i couldn't get behind it's that it's too easy it he, is way too he easy has to earn her trust back and he doesn't have <sighs> to do that yes but i feel like he <laughs> see, i think this is the point of difference is i do feel like his arc was solid I do think he developed, I do think he reflects, and I do think he grew, and I think that his growth was completely earned. It was Amelia's response that was the easy part. I think that's the bit I struggled with. So do you think she should have just said something like, uh, I forgive you, but, like, it's more of a... I mean, and I I guess this could still happen, uh, theoretically, uh, starting in the next season. We'll see. Uh, My hopes aren't too high. But uh, (laughs) she, she understands that he has, like, reflected on what he's done, and that he wants to, and he does genuinely want to help her, but it's not like he has her total trust. See, what I think would have been an amazing end for that was to complete that three beat of believing in you. So originally he says, why won't you believe me? And she says, I want to believe you and I can't. Then Rem says to him, I completely believe in you. And that's nice, but she's Rem, she's not Amelia. If Amelia in this last scene, if he'd given her reason to say, it's okay, I completely believe in you because he's demonstrated something to her. I think that would have been a nice end. Or like, I completely believe you if he'd given her some reason and she hadn't said that's lies. 
as she did the last time right. they spoke, if she'd just come around to a position of, I can see that you're more trustworthy now, I can see that you're more sincere now. I think that would have been a really nice step in their relationship. Right, like, um, so I'll, for a minute, just go with, he has truly learned and changed, which I'm still not totally on board <laughs> with, but for the sake of argument, I'll go with that. But like, We can agree to disagree, that's fine. <laughs> but, like, she doesn't know that. Like, she has No, she doesn't. Him. That's it. He needs to, like, she doesn't know that he's not paying lip service. Like, oh, I know yeah. I made you mad, so I'm going to apologize. Yeah. And just go right back to his old patterns. Like, she can't know that. We, kn- the only we thing- may know that, yeah. but he needs to really put in the work to prove himself to her. So that she can exactly. see how he's changed. Well, we don't... Yeah, I would have really... We don't know how long, he, uh, and this is this is a really weak argument, but we don't know how long, I, I, or he was apparently out for a while, so somebody might have actually explained the events leading up to all of that to her. Of course, they probably should have shown that on screen if that's the case, uh, so that we know that he's, yeah. she's not just going based on what he's saying. Uh, before we jump off Subaru, I do want to say that I, I do think that there was a lot of themes of him correcting what he was doing previously, because before he was very much acting on his own. Um, but through the whole White Whale arc and afterward, I think he was relying on other characters more. He realized that he couldn't yes. do all that much except, like, what was within his own capacity of being able to get knowledge ahead of time, basically. That's and it. And the re- reconciliation with, uh, oh, what was the knight's name? Purple-haired guy. Julius. Julius. Oh, sorry, yeah, Julius. Yeah. So yeah. he, I mean, they both admit that they don't really like each other, but uh, are able, and I guess this was kind of a growing thing for Julius, too, but uh, they kind of admit that yeah. he both of them have value and are willing to be friends despite that fact, which I, yes. I thought was very important as well. But yeah, with the whole Amelia thing, uh, I feel like she was very trusting. But there are some like Stockholmsy <laughs> things going on in the series <laughs> with uh, a lot of the female yeah. characters, which we're probably going to touch on later. Oh, right now, let's talk about yeah. Ren. <laughs> Perfect segue. Caitlin, <laughs> uh, yeah. did you did you know about Rem before you started watching, or had you had you seen any images of her? Did you hear anything about I her? I knew she was everyone's favorite waifu. Okay, that was pretty much the and, long and short of it. <laughs> and did your opinion of her change as you watched? No, <laughs> no, not not a bit. <laughs> uh, okay, so. <laughs> It just confirmed every impression that you got without hearing a line of dialogue, without knowing any of her backstory. Pretty much. Um, no, like wow. that's that's an oversimplification. That is one hell of a condemnation. <laughs> um, that, that I mean, that's pretty much an oversimplification. I think that her. How do I how do I put this? Like, she should be a powerful character in her own yes. right. But mm-hmm. her arc is mostly, oh, Subaru taught me to love myself. Now I'm in love with Subaru. That's really all there is to me. Interesting. <laughs> that's, you know, that that's really all I got out of Rem. She was, she's def- designed to be, like, really moe, otaku appealing, like, with her little, her maid outfit and her, you know, her hair over one eye and she's you know twin sister so guys can be like oh twins which like that that's a personal (laughs) thing for me you are a twin yes i am um so fetishization of twins and like treating twins like kind of fetishization um romanticization uh mystification of twins is 
is dumb and it irritate it irritates me more than probably the vast majority of people <laughs> that's entirely fair I, th- I mean you're still siblings right yeah i think anything to do with with incest is a bit of a sensitive topic for for a lot of yeah. people but yeah this I'm is sure... a very specific kind of fetish as you yeah, say i'm sure it's twin a boy is a thing well yeah i can't imagine it's not <laughs> um peter you kind of <laughs> experienced rem episode to episode so you didn't know anything about her in advance because you were watching it as yeah. it aired what was your response to rem watching her like how did you feel about the character as the series aired well i i very much liked her arc actually and i think one of the reasons for that is because we were sort of getting themes uh, about what was going on behind the scenes with subaru like in his head uh even as early on as the roswell mansion which of course culminated in 18 and I kind of felt like they're both of their like they're this like deep self-loathing that they had for each other uh, or, or themselves rather uh, was kind of kind of the link between them, I guess. And that gave Subaru a lot of insight into what Rem's problem was. So I I do I mean I don't really like the fact that she likes him. That's it, it's just not going to work out, right? So I prefer she like you know maybe find somebody else. Like if she wants to help him help Amelia because she also likes Amelia, sure that's great. Oh, is that your ship? Subaru and Amelia? <laughs> no, I mean, I want Amelia to succeed because she's a great character. But I I would much prefer Rem maybe say, oh, it's not going to work out with Subaru. Maybe I should, you know, just try to find somebody else who emotionally fulfills me rather than just telling me how much greater this other girl is. <laughs> Something like no, that. I, I meant, is yeah. Rem Amelia your ship? <laughs> I, no, no. Uh, I think uh, I like them as friends. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... But see, that's a problem that I have with them, actually, mm. is that Rem and Amelia don't really interact no, except as... they don't. Yeah. ...master and servant, and that's that's fine. But the household is obviously quite quite an intimate household. Well, I think that uh, she's even kind of an outsider in that household. It seems like most of their interactions are with Subaru or Roswell, and Amelia's just sort of this person yeah. staying there. Yes, it does come across that way. And I think that's a real shame that like that didn't develop at all over the course of the series. So Subaru helps Amelia bridge uh, from herself to the, the kind of the common people. Yeah. He doesn't really do that for Rem. We don't really see any relationships that characters have other than like very super either very superficially like with oh this is you know I am a candidate and this is my sponsor or like it's everything is very Subaru centric like. There's very, very little sense of what relationships characters hold outside of their interactions with Subaru. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a bit of a shame, because through Subaru, you actually get a lot of really interesting relationships. I mean, we've already talked about his relationship with Julius, but also there's Reinhardt. There's his relationship with the other candidates for the throne. There's his relationship with Ram. There's his relationship with Roswell. There's a lot of really interesting and very different relationships there, but we don't see relationships between women at all. And I think that's maybe an area where Rem and Amelia are both a bit underused because they are the two main women. If they'd had any kind of friendship or any kind of connection or like conversations even, I don't think they even talk to each other very much beyond that first scene where Amelia says, stop teasing him. I think that's a bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah, you get that she admires her, but I don't think there's much communication. And I don't know if that's just bad writing or feeding into the whole Amelia's isolated theme, but uh, yeah, it, it does seem to be a You might be giving too. too much credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I started with the poor writing. <laughs> 
No, no, no. I, I have a lot of respect for the writing of ReZero, genuinely. I, every time I watch it, I notice new things, and every time I get emotionally invested all over again, I, I don't want to be rude about the writing. But I do think that the lack of female relationships is probably more an oversight than anything. I'm fine with anything. being rude about the writing. Right. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, the writers clearly were only thinking of Subaru in building this world and he's the protagonist it's fine for him to be the center of the action most of the time but like yo you need to have a sense of the rest of the world and like how the other characters interact with each other and there's none of that there's no sense of bonds between anyone else except for very very like i said very superficial master and servants like even like um krush is it krush or is it crush krush Krush. So, feels like I'm saying that wrong. Even Krush, uh, Felis was her servant, right? Or her... Felis, yeah. Yeah. Is her knight. After Felis starts interacting with Subaru, we don't see him interact with Krush much at all. Because Subaru is now the center of Felis's attention, and Krush is just sort of off on the sidelines. Which is another huge missed opportunity because Krush is amazing. She's incredible. I love that. That's one of the areas where I really want to give ReZero credit because the diversity of female characters in this is fantastic. And I have a lot of respect for the fact that they put a character like Krush in and she wears armour and it's not ridiculous. And she leads them into battle and she's absolutely wonderful and she's completely underused. Yeah, like her... Krush and Felt are the two female characters that I loved, <laughs> and they both got to do very, very little, and I'm sure we'll see more of them in the next season or whatever, but, yeah. like, oh, come on, like, give me something to work with, like, even if Amelia, when she shows, like, you know, her, her strength of character, she gets pushed out of the narrative until Subaru comes back and is like, oh, I love you. And she's like, I'm so happy that you love me. You know, we don't we don't see her in that period where she's not relying on him at all. Um, I, let's move on to Amelia, because I, I don't think there's going to be much more to say about Rem. I, I completely agree with you. I do. I enjoy her arc more on rewatch, but I... <laughs> I, I, even when I rewatch it now and I think but she's she is such a fantasy she's not a real character there's no real happy ending for her that it's it's just a dead end of a character yeah unfortunately like, I, I just I just think it's really funny that like even when we're supposed to be talking about Rem we barely talk about Rem and yet she won all of these <laughs> best girl competitions because yeah. like you know there's almost nothing to say about her but all of the otaku fell in love with her. And, okay, I'm going to get real salty here. Uh, probably, that's partially why all the otaku fell in love with her. Because she is uh, mostly a blank canvas for them to project their fantasies onto. Pizza, any thoughts on that? Uh, I, I can't really argue with that. I think she's basically <laughs> just, her features are that she's very sweet and completely faithful to the main character. So and she if, wears a maid costume. Yeah, she's kind of got like a Ray Ayanami thing going on too. Well, yeah, made made the maid thing too. But uh, she, it's very, it's it just leaves a lot of blank area for them to project what other other like you know features they like on her. 
but it's yeah. just got the, the devotion aspect, I think, is what attracts people. Okay, I just want to imagine for a second what it would have been like if Rom had been the twin that oh my went God. with Subaru instead of Rem. And I love Rom so much. This and it's actually incredible because Rom would have called Subaru on his shit she at would. every turn. <laughs> and I think that would have been actually much a much stronger series is having someone who is down to earth and no nonsense to call him on it whenever he starts getting in his head. I think I would have enjoyed that more. Um, but I think Rem is, I mean, Rem is to, let me see if I get this right. Subaru is to Rem what Amelia is to Subaru, right? So Amelia is this kind of idealized person on a pedestal to Subaru. And Subaru to Rem is this idealized person on a pedestal. And Rem treats Subaru the way Subaru treats Amelia. And they're real foils for each other, I think, in that sense. And we see Rem kind of work through that. And she doesn't really get rewarded for it. And then we see Subaru work through that and he does get rewarded for it. Uh, I'm not sure if they're trying to achieve anything with that contrast, but you couldn't have done that with, with Rem. Um, actually, that does remind me of something that I was thinking about, like, because Subaru's whole turning point is when he's, you know, in despair and he's just been fucking everything up at every turn and everyone can sense the, like, horrible desperation on him and they're all repulsed by him. And he talks to Rem and Rem, you know, is telling her, like, just how much he hates himself. And Rem is just like, instead of him having to, like, work through that, and having to learn to change, Rem just goes, actually, you're pretty awesome. However, however, that is a direct call. You're talking about the episode 18? Yeah. Right, when when he completely melts down. Um, well, for the second time. Um, that is a direct callback to when Rem broke down, when she when she went out to fight the Mar Beasts and she lost all sense of herself. And she brings Subaru back and he wakes up in bed and she's next to him holding his hand. And she says to him, but I'm weak, but I'm I'm selfish, I'll never be as good as my sister, and all of that. And he says to her, it's okay, we'll be together, you know, I think you're pretty great, you saved my life. And they have exactly the same lines in episode 18. And this is what, kind of what I mean, is like, Rem, I think, serves that purpose, where you can, if you go back to that arc, and I've said this to you before, Caitlin, that now that you've seen it, if you rewatch those episodes, they are so much more satisfying now, because mm. you see that echo She's returning um, the favor. I enjoyed... Sorry? She's returning the favor, basically. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's almost like she learned from the way he treated her what would be truly useful in that situation. And it was to be given that support and to be told, it's okay, we can be here for each other and and you are actually a good person and you are valued and I do care for you. So having like seeing that situation occur again and seeing that that's the way that she saves him. Now, had this been an actual romance between two fully fleshed out characters, that would have been a really touching moment. You know, as we know, it ends with the famous, I love Amelia, so it doesn't go down that route. Oh, yeah. Um, I, but <laughs> I stare it, but I love Amelia. garbage thing to say. <laughs> I have said that line as often as possible since then. <laughs> Every opportunity. I would rather see instead of her sure he needs to be comforted that like no you're not like an irredeemable piece of shit but like I would much rather see him go through the hard work of realizing he needs to change 
and her being like, okay, well, how can, you know, how can we, how can we help, how can I help you through this? Not just being like, oh, you're perfect the way you are. Cause he's not like, he is a very small, petty person. You know, it takes a lot of hard work to recognize that within yourself and to change. And it doesn't just take someone saying, oh, no, you don't need to change. You're all, you're oh, already pretty great. I, I might have to disagree with mm. you on this because I think if I, if I had someone dear to me break down in front of me and say they hated themselves, in fact, I know from experience, I would be saying everything that Rem said. I would be saying, no, you're absolutely mm. loved. You're absolutely cared for. And I think that that was a, a really real response from her, actually. And it's clearly what she thinks. Um, and I don't think that it's an unhelpful move. I don't th- I don't think that Rem's the problem, basically, in Subaru's uh, arc. I think, I I, for me, the real problem, no, the fair. whole problem is Amelia coming around to his way of thinking so quickly. Yeah, no, I actually, yeah, that's fair. I was being a little harsh. Not, <laughs> not really thinking about, about, like, human situations just thinking it about is how very much tempting to be harsh subaru. with subaru i completely understand that inclination yeah we don't have her pers- <laughs> perspective either because she's only seen his successes really uh save for the mm-hmm. one thing in episode 13 because yes. all of his failures have been erased and here he is basically i mean his lines before that were i am empty and uh everything i do is a lie to make me look good where she's seen him accomplish yeah, things true yeah it's, it's okay let's let's talk about Amelia because she's my favorite character and I've been patient okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Caitlin how do you feel about Amelia um I need to see more of Amelia before I can are you because I'm are you softening really, what you say because like, I just I'm said she's my really favorite frustrated about how the show concluded with her arc I'm me you know I need to see more of her in action because right now I'm just really pissed off (laughs) i'm just oh yeah yeah because you messaged us and you said if amelia doesn't do something in this last episode i am gonna be furious (laughs) yeah you'd be hollering (laughs) hollering. i think you let us know in all caps when you were ready to record the show (laughs) so did your impression of her change from the beginning of the series to the end yeah i mean yeah for the better or for the worse at first it was like Okay, well, Amelia seems like uh, a little bit of a waifu character. She's just, she's this, you know, pretty girl who Subaru dotes on, and we're not really seeing any development of her as a character for the first few episodes. And then she had her big confrontation with her, with him, and I was like, yeah, yeah, you tell him, Amelia. Like, I got really uh, excited about that, but... Then, you know, the final few episodes, then she was out of the series for quite a while. And then when she came back, she's just like, oh, you know, it was what we were talking about before. Like, oh, she's, you know, so happy that Subaru is in love with her even and is so easy. You know, I, yeah, I'm, you know, and I'm really frustrated. I need to really see more from her to really get on board sure and um, peter what do you remember of fandom's response to amelia at the time as far as the fandom i think she was actually a really popular character until uh rem came around and got her moment 
Like, everybody, yeah, actually, basically what they were doing for Rem, they were doing for Amelia, and then I guess Rem just sort of, you know, pulled ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, I guess she was a magical girl and the, the focus of Subaru's affection, so she was pretty popular, just as far as the fandom worked. But do you remember what response was to her in episode 13, where she says to him, you're doing all this for yourself, and the version of me that's in your head must be amazing. She can understand everything that you want. Yes. I, all these lines. Oh, it was which, so good. That was... Incredible. And that was series-defining for me. That was an incredible moment, and it's why I picked the series up again. It's why I continued with it to the end. But what was fandom response? I think it was pretty mixed, uh, but I guess that depended upon your inclination. I, I mean, the people who hated Subaru were just like, thank you. Thank you so much for yeah. <laughs> telling him what a, like an atrocious shit really he is. Good. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think actually, the, that's strange. Yeah, the, I think the reactions to Amelia mostly depended upon what the person thought of Subaru. Because it's either they felt the call out was warranted or no. And I think in that case, it was mostly just them watching Amelia do what they wished they could do to Subaru. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think, uh, after, I mean, if they like Subaru, uh, I don't think I heard too much about it besides that. Besides just, like, maybe frustration with Subaru, or actually a lot of people dropped the series uh, in that episode. Yes, uh, Where you picked true. it up. Uh, yeah, so I think it was just, <laughs> maybe they just didn't know what to do with that situation, because, I mean, that's kind of bizarre as far as anime tropes go. Yeah, a female character asserting herself when a male character is obsessed with, creepily obsessed with her. Yeah. So I just specifically of, calling him out. Yeah. yeah. I can't think of really any other series where that happens. I remember one very specific problem I had at the time, which was with people who were saying that she'd led him on <sighs> to think that... Oh, really? I, know, <laughs> I, rem- I got so frustrated him. with this. Yeah, I, I didn't really... I didn't really get involved in ReZero fandom at the time, I think I mentioned, but I did, after that episode, kind of drop into forums, drop into Reddit and kind of say, you know, what are people saying? And I did see people saying, well, she let him, she let him lie on her lap and cry. She kind of was, was giving him the impression that she was romantically interested in him. She went on that date with him. She led him on and then she shut him down. She literally didn't know what a date was, though. Like, yes. he had to, he explained it to her. It's like, oh, going out with someone else and, yep. you know, doing this and that. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay, sure, sounds great. Like, he did, she didn't know that a date is something that is, has romantic connotations. Yeah, you are preaching to the choir. Um, the interesting thing when you go back and watch it, and I really hope you do. Um, but the interesting thing when you go back is that you will see at every opportunity Amelia deflects the things that Subaru says so like the morning that he wakes up in the mansion for the first time and she walks in in just some dress he says to her ah whoever chose that outfit knows what they're doing oh god yeah like yeah he comes out with lines like that quite a lot and she looks at him and she says I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm sure it's something stupid and that's disappointing. Like, <laughs> she deflects so him like that repeatedly. There's another moment where they're outside and he he says something about, well, what relationship do I have with you? Oh, he says, that's it. He says, who do you love? And she says, I'm in love with Puck and Puck's in love with me. Mm. Yeah. And that's the end of it. And he says, well, where do I fit into this relationship? And Puck's just like, you don't. 
And she just deflects him and she does that repeatedly. And so to see people saying, oh no, she led him on, it was actually really unsettling because it really shows you that people can see mixed messages in a situation where, which I look at and I say, there is nothing mixed about this message. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I mean, I personally did pick up on those hints, like, um, yeah, because I, I can think of times when male friends have said stuff like that along those lines to me, and just exactly like how uncomfortable it made me. But I also didn't want to like outright tell them to cut it out because it could damage our friendship now i don't give a shit now if a guy says something creepy to me (laughs) then i'm told him to go screw themselves but you recognize the deflect yes that is absolutely that is a move that you've used it's it's a thing that i've used like when somebody says something and you think they are expressing a potential interest in me and i need to stop that conversation there Mm -hmm. in a light-hearted way that won't be uncomfortable for anyone and she does that time and time again and i love amelia i absolutely think she's a wonderful character she was one of my favorite characters from last year i just think she's great even in the context of that like being a relationship i that that logic doesn't really hold with me anyway uh the whole like she was leading him on thing because uh let's assume that they were in a relationship uh i mean just you know fulfilling the the fantasy right he humiliates her in public and has been consistently lying to her and she forgives him for that she just says you just need to explain it to me and i'll forgive you i'll even forgive you you know like humiliating me in public you said you made a mistake whatever uh and then he says i can't tell you the truth or like uh, he, he basically just keeps lying to her so she knows that and that then what she says after that would be breaking up with him so it, assuming yeah. they're in an equal relationship where she's not just his possession it, and assuming they were in a relationship period that's her saying, okay, the relationship is over because I can't trust you anymore. So even yeah, then, it's th- like... that's absolutely yeah, true. No leading on there. Yep, exactly. Okay, I think we need to start wrapping this up. So I just want to talk about ReZero as a show. Um, Caitlin, would you recommend ReZero to a feminist anime fan? No. Why not? Uh, because of all of the various stuff that we've discussed... Uh, so far cop um, out come on explain it <laughs> no um like you know how basically the show ends with uh Amelia having to be rescued with her being damseled and basically validating Subaru's need to uh save her and how he sees himself as the hero who needs to protect his object of interest the whole character of Rem and how all of the more interesting female... Well, not all of... No, actually, yeah. All of the more interesting <laughs> female characters get sidelined. And I just... I don't think most feminist anime fans would be able to get behind the character of Subaru. He is a trash heap of a human being. He is... I, I'm a little disappointed. We didn't get really get into how just how petty and entitled he is at the beginning of the series because he really is like the way he talks to the female characters is really made me uncomfortable yeah Um, i agree with you when he wakes up and rem and ram are in the room and he's like oh yeah twin mates or whatever his response to them is really again it's uncomfortable he just says these things without a filter um or 
pretty girls have a duty to smile for the eyes of others. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. I'd forgotten about that. (laughs) Uh, You know, so, like, not everything I recommend, I recommend just purely for feminist merit. But if I'm just talking about series I would recommend as a feminist, ReZero is not one of them. Fair enough. Peter, same question. Would you recommend it to a feminist anime fan? With caveats, probably. Yep. I, I If I was putting it on like a recommendation list, I actually had debated putting it on my problematic favorite for the end of the year. It definitely has a lot of bad stuff, but I think it's also got a lot of good stuff. The, the female cast is like uh, amazing to me. There, I, there's so many female characters I like. I think they're very diverse. I think they uh, all have... Uh, I guess it's a, a mixed bag as far as agency goes. I do agree that a lot of the relationships are very Subaru-centric, um, but it's also his perspective, so... Like, I wish they, they did stuff with other characters more, but I think they all have their personal ambitions that they're pursuing. And there's this sort of, like, meta story going on. Well, there's a couple meta things going on in the series, but one of the big themes seems to be that it's sort of recognizing that Subaru's being, like, an entitled kind of misogynistic otaku is a problem of his. And um, although it's sort of being validated, it's, it's like, or like his, his, like, internal, like, this is my plot is being validated it's only coming at the cost of him having to change and the series portrays him as the weakest character um so it's kind of i guess it's sort of like a hopeful (laughs) you don't have to be an otaku forever kind of thing or at least i hope that's where it's going uh so (laughs) i i I see definite themes going there so i i feel like it's definitely a mixed bag but there's a lot of redeeming qualities and i think i I basically share your opinion and this question is already answered because I did recommend it to a feminist anime fan Caitlin you kept putting up that poll where you said what should I watch next Mm -hmm. and ReZero was always one of them and every time I said Caitlin watch ReZero so but then you also said you didn't think I'd like it I didn't didn't know if you'd like it but I still recommended that you watch it and we've ended up with some interesting discussion about it so I think that that was justified worth it absolutely and I don't I don't regret watching it um, I'm probably going to write a post for my own site about it. I'm going to write a post for Heroin Problem. It's definitely, it has a lot of very serious, serious problems. It has some, I think it has some untapped potential when it comes to his female yep. characters. Like the fact that the country is ruled necessarily by a woman and that all of the candidates for the next ruler are women. Um, to be king specifically the only a woman king. can be yes. king <laughs> yeah only a yeah. Wo- only a woman can be king i think that is um, i think the king succession honestly has potential to be a, a much more compelling plot i'm a little dis- and i am disappointed that it didn't get explored more and honestly if the next season ends up focusing on that i'd be a lot more willing to watch it cuz if just because I like felt a whole lot. I want to <laughs> see more of felt. Um, we should get Frog on this podcast. Frog loves oh, yes. oh, I was really disappointed that she didn't do more. Well, that actually ties in with the next thing I was going to ask you, which is what could the second season do to make it a feminist recommendation from you? Uh, focus a lot more on the female characters and their stories. Because it's obviously, it's obvious the women in the series have their own deals. They have their own stories. But we get only the barest hint of that you know like i've said before it's fine for things to be centered on subaru because he is the main character but there's 
very very little sense that these characters are out living their lives when he when they're off screen and i would need to see more of that especially since they're currently going through such a major process within the country yeah peter what do you hope season two will do along the same lines personally i'd like to see i thought the ending was good um but i i'm hoping that amelia kind of um i don't want to say she's necessarily guarded to subaru but she is maybe a bit reticent toward like he's basically got to prove that he knows how to help her while still doing what she tells him to do because you know she's work he's would be working under her i guess i'd like to see their relationship develop that way like they're still friends but it's like amelia's in charge and you have to obey orders and not you know do horrible stuff in public that embarrasses her and probably ruins her chances at becoming the leader that kind of thing (laughs) and also yeah focusing on because basically they they and the other candidates are sort of necessarily opponents politically so if everybody's making different moves which i think we got a bit of a sense of later um and all of them get like more development not necessarily as allies or people who end up having to work with subaru for different reasons as with krush uh, I think that would be super interesting and, and like really allow the female cast to, to like take off. Yeah, it's um, su- yeah, Subaru definitely needs to show himself that he is willing to trust Amelia and take let her take the lead in matters where it is entirely her business to take the lead and it is his business to shut the fuck up. Because <laughs> <laughs> that that's really the one of the big things that Subaru needs to learn that I don't think he really did is he needs to learn how, when to shut the fuck up because he's not the hero. He's not the hero in this situation. Yeah, um, he and ne- it is a shame because in that stay first, in his lane. In that first timeline, at the very end, the first of the two timelines where she saves everyone and he's told by Phyllis to stand back and just let her do her work, and he does, and that would have been a really great note for him to to kind of end on, but. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I look forward to both of those things. I, on a, it's not really a feminist note, but I want to see much more explored with Subaru as the Archbishop of Pride. Like, this is something that's been hinted at. Yes. Yeah, there's so much, there's so much going on in the series that it's really really did not, like, it did not get explored, did not get fully explained. Like, I I, I don't have any, really any sense of the larger plot. No. You know, and it's... Well, that, I think I think that's taking a lot of time to develop, right? I mean, there's yes. this whole, like, meta-narrative where Subaru might be the agent of evil. Yeah. So... See... That's super interesting, especially given his character. Yeah, it's absolutely fascinating. And every time I watch it, I see something new. And today was the first time I've really noticed the glint going in and out of his eyes when he's having his final battle with Beetlejuice, where Beetlejuice is kind of crawling after him. Very, And you see the, very the glint no going in and out of his looking. eyes then. And it's just, it's, yeah, exactly. And it's something that I've... Oh, he does that himself uh, earlier, actually. If it, the, the moments when he's being, when he's like uh, kind of doing something because, not because it's right, yeah. or out, out of his warped sense exactly. of personality, he has the exactly. glint. So that's sort of when you know he's being moral or when he's and being And I noticed immoral, it in other scenes, but that's the first time I noticed it in that scene. And every time I watch this show, I pick up new things that I haven't noticed before. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Subaru's, like, his connection to the Archbishop of Pride role... We, we don't know what it is. I have no clue. I haven't read the, the light novels. Again, if we get Frog on the podcast at some point, we'll discuss it. 
Oh, they're translating them. I think the first one's out. Oh, really? Out. Okay, I might have to... I've been thinking this entire time, man, I need to read this light novel as well to see I if it's I suspect the anime writing might be better than the uh, light novel writing. But the light novel writing is probably better than the web novel writing, so... Well, I've heard that there are a lot of asides in the, the oh, light really? novel, like specifically side stories, but that could mean that uh, Nagatsuki actually spent more time focusing on side characters, which would seem to be a complaint that all of us had. Yeah. So no, it, it th- could be good for that But that would reason. actually be great because there were some side characters who were dropped in who I would love to see fleshed out or I'd love to know more about their story. So that actually might be a good way, way around it. I spent the whole series yeah. wondering what that uh, Al dude's deal is. It's just like, are we going to see, like, learn, like, why he looks like that. Um, Roswell. Uh, Priscilla's knight. Oh. Al. Yeah. Oh, Al. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm not sure. Did, did it not uh, say, sound like I hope Al there's a story. I, I thought you said like the animal, yes. No, I thought you meant an owl. Uh, that's <laughs> I don't remember. Exactly. Uh, the... um, oh, okay. No, Al. Um, Aren't you also from the West Coast, Peter? It's my... It's my <laughs> yes, okay, it's my SoCal <laughs> It's my it's my Los Angeles accent. Okay, okay. So I had no chance of understanding so. either of these from the start. So um, okay, I think we're gonna have to wrap it up there. All right. Um, thank you yeah. so much, guys, for taking part. Uh, just to say that we have a website www.animefeminist.com. We have a Twitter account at animefeminist. We're on Facebook, facebook.com/animefem, and we also have a Patreon, which is patreon.com/animefeminist. Uh, in the last month, we provided a feminist premiere guide, we reported on unethical practices in a major anime site, and we challenged simulcast services on keeping problematic translations unedited. This is the kind of work we can only do because we're funded 100% by readers and we have no conflicts of interest or commercial obligations. So if you can spare a dollar a month, it really, really adds up. I think half of our patrons at the moment are $1 patrons. That's a huge chunk of money we wouldn't have had without them. So. It's all appreciated. Please, if you can spare it, go to www.patreon.com slash animefeminist. Send us a dollar a month to carry on our work and continue making podcasts like this. Please do get in touch on any of those avenues and let us know which shows you'd like us to go into in the future. We are going to start looking at other older shows and go through from this kind of perspective, maybe more than once. We'll definitely come back to ReZero at some point. So thanks again to Caitlin and Peter and let us know what you'd like to look at next.